2: Buenas, buenas, Tamarindo, amiguis. What's up? Hey,
0: hey, hey. What is up? Back in your ears. ¿Cómo están, everybody? Well, you can't tell us because you're listening, but pretend we asked you and just shout it into the, <laughs> the airwaves.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know what? One day soon, I don't know how soon, we're going to have a live event because we really miss seeing people in person. So keep on the lookout for whenever we plan that. <laughs> but Brenda, ¿cómo estás? ¿Qué pasa contigo? What's, what's new with you?
0: Well, um. I was going to say that I have um, the same sort of fever that all of us have, but I know that we're going to talk about that a little bit later, so we'll talk about Donovan Carrillo. But first, I will (laughs) tell you, I mean, last night, it was kind of neat. I think California is about to lift their mask mandate, so we're sort of feeling like we're turning a page here, maybe, we'll see, and... I know I'm back at school on campus. I hope they lift the masks there because it is very annoying to teach with a mask on. But of course, you know, I'm all about whenever it's safe to do so. But last night, uh, what I'm getting at is that I got to go to a really cool little art show. And it was really neat. It was called Intersecting Identities. It was an art show that um, exhibited artwork by 12 international artists representing the African diaspora. So it was super neat. This was such a cool event because it was free. There was free valet. There was free tacos. Um, there was free alcohol. And there was amazing, amazing art. So I just want to give a little shout out to the folks that organized that. And um, just, you know, it was super neat. It was nice to be out with the, la gente. And, uh, and maybe it was right. Maybe it was wrong. I don't know. But none of us had masks on. Very few people had masks on. And it was... Um, you know, these are these are all progressive people. They're, I know that they're vaccinated. None of the none of the anti-vax folks. But we're also kind of like maybe, yeah, you know, maybe it's time to lose the mask. So it was nice. It was freeing.
2: Yeah. um, That's so interesting. I have so many thoughts. I don't even know where to start. Um, Well, first, it's just it's Well, what what you'll do is I'll show you some pictures and then
0: you'll have more reactions and you'll get to see the art. It's very cool.
2: Yeah. um, Yeah. I'm actually I'm excited because actually this week is Art Week here in Mexico. And I haven't like one of my things that I wanted to do this year is just find more cultural events to go to, where I can learn, y grow, yeso. And recently I went to a really cool um, impressionist uh, immersive exhibit, which was awesome, and so I'm excited this weekend to check out Mexican art and like, see what that's like. So I'm excited about that this week, but also going back to just like the mask, the masks, um, mandates being lifted. It's just, it's, I I feel you like we're ready for it. And it also feels weird. And I also still feel like, damn, like if me not wearing my mask one day, like again, I get COVID or it tend, I happen to be asymptomatic. Like it still feels weird, you know, to potentially think about you causing something serious to someone else.
0: Well, you know, that uh, someone else should be vaccinated and should stay home if they're not, if they're not feeling it. That's what I'm saying. If it's, a, I'm at the point where like, it's your responsibility to get, ma- get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you're unable yeah. to get vaccinated, no, stay you. home. I'm ready to get out. You're right. I'm ready to get out. But um, I, I want to excuse if if folks are hearing like, you no know, background noise. It's because even though it's Before, you know, it's eight in the morning, but uh, folks that are listening, I'm sure you all have one of these, a husband, he just decided to do like major installation of a toolbox. So if you hear some background noise, that is that's what's happening back there.
2: (laughs) I actually don't hear anything. So that's good. But I don't know about our listeners. But, you know, one place where I actually wouldn't mind continuing to wear masks for for I don't know how long, but at the airport. Um. Because we're so in such tight quarters. And like the other day I was sitting next to this guy who took off his mask and he was for like a little bit and his breath stank. And Nasty. I was like, this is one good reason. One good reason for masks is like I don't have to smell people's breath. I don't have to smell people's farts as much. <laughs> yeah, no, that part is gross. So I actually told I told the guy to put the ma- his mask back back on. So, and he did, he wasn't, he didn't like push back or anything, but I was like, damn, bro, like brush your teeth. I know like maybe we're flying, like you haven't, you know, you've been traveling for a minute, but (laughs) you have a mask. Um, Anywho. um, Que pasa with you? Que más, que más, que pasa with me? Okay, so yesterday I actually went to, and this is a little bit related to what we're going to be talking about on the show later. um, I went to a fertility center.
0: Oh, for the first this time. is exciting. I know you've yes. been uh, thinking about this. So tell us, tell us all.
2: Yes. You know, it's interesting because I've been thinking about this for a long time, right? Like, oh, like, how am I doing? Like, are my eggs good? Like all this stuff. But it has just felt so overwhelming for some reason to just get started. It's one of those things, right? Like the hardest thing is just like, Taking that first step, so I felt really proud that I finally took this first step because it's sort of been weighing down on me, like oh my god, I'm waiting, I keep waiting, and I don't know how I'm doing. And blah blah blah. So yeah, so I finally looked up a facility center and I went yesterday. I felt so awkward, right, going in, and um, my girlfriend came came with me. And so you know, like when I'm not at the point right now, ready to do that, but I, we sort of pretended like we were, you know. And so we went in, and one thing I want to say that was really cool. It's just how normal we were treated. Like there was no like, you know, we just right away shared like, oh, yeah, that's my partner. And there was no como que, oh, like any weird looks or anything weird. There that's was just awesome. like total normal acceptance. And it's like what we all wish for all the time. Right. But I have to acknowledge that it felt really great to just be treated nor- normally. Yeah, I'm um, that
0: fertility clinic.
2: See, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but yeah, so then they did like an ultrasound to just cuz the first step is checking like how's your uterus and ovaries looking. And so it was uh it was weird. It was weird having I've never had I don't remember like the last time I had an ultrasound or if I've had one, maybe I've had, but it felt like very it felt like I was like pregnant, verdad? Like I was like Yeah, they were looking for the if, baby, if you but if you've had they an ultrasound for...
0: before, it probably was never that part. So that's cool. Yeah,
2: exactly. Right, right, right. So it was like, I felt like I was like kind of pregnant and they were looking for the baby, but they were just looking for my uterus and my ovaries. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, it felt very emotional, even that point. So that was something that was like, okay, cool. Like, this is again, a sign that this is feel some, something that I feel called to do that I've been, you know, very thoughtful about. Um, So yeah, luckily my ovaries and my uh, uterus look good. So that's the first step. And now the next step is like having to go in and like check out your hormones and actually see how many eggs I have left. (laughs) And then like based on that is like figuring out the next step. Like how will I actually, you know, think about having babies, like what those options might be for me. So it was just good to get that first step. Oh, and the other weird thing is like, you know, they showed us a like a catalog just, you know, even though we're not there yet, but they showed us a catalog of like of their sperm, which I've never seen before. Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> so pictures. Basically, no, it doesn't show pictures. Basically, they show you a list and it just has it's super weird. Like, I guess later you can say, "Oh, I want to see these particular sperm like sperm donors, and then they show you a picture of when they were babies and they give you more background on their family and like, you know, what, like genetically, like what, if they have any, any, you know, um, like disease or, you know, like it just their background, their family background, but initially they just show you it's the height, their skin color, um, their hair color, their eye color and their profession. Interesting. And that's it. Fascinating. And that was just so, I know, it's just, it's weird. It's that weird, you know, just to be looking at a list of, like, sperm donors. It feels like you're shopping, you know, and I feel a little bit weird about that. But, oh, you know, um, it was it's just interesting to break the ice on some of these things that I've sort of been a little, I don't know if scared is the right word, but just not not knowing how to, got to get into it, you know?
0: Yeah, well, it makes it more real. So I could see how that's definitely... um a little bit scary. I think that is a, the appropriate word. I mean, I know I'd be terrified about having children. So so it is, it's It's definitely just kind of like making it a little bit more real. What turns up feeling a little bit like fear. But that is so exciting. More yeah. than anything, I'm sure you're feeling really yes, excited. Yes. <laughs> so um, tell us who we have today.
2: Yeah. So speaking of, you know, trying to have or thinking about having babies and all of that, we are actually speaking today with Jasmine Higgins, a queer Latina who turned her own journey to have children into a podcast called Infertilidad Latina and has also recently developed an LGBTQ plus family planner, a resource dedicated to helping um, LGBT, LGBTQ community plan for parenthood. And and what I love about what Jasmine is doing is that she brings a topic, infer, infertility, um, that's often not talked about, um, helps people be seen in their own struggle because we know that this is something that a lot of people struggle with and people just don't talk about it, right? Same thing that goes with miscarriages and things like that. Um, and also just like, choosing not to have children. Right. So these are a lot of topics that often don't get talked about. So I think that I love that she puts it out there for people to feel connected and, and know that they're, they're not alone and also makes something that feels really overwhelming, digestible. I know that her journey has inspired me to just like get my own journey started. Right. So that's who we're talking today. And I'm excited to, to let y'all hear the conversation. So let's get into it. I'm with Jasmine Higgins, who's a Queer Latina and award-winning podcast host of Infertilidad Latina and a Nueva Mama via Adoption. Jasmine, thank you so much for being with us on the show.
1: Sheila, it is an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Of course. And I just want to, before we get started with some questions, I just want to also want to thank you for your openness and vulnerability in your journey to, to motherhood and, and the way that you use your platform, because I think one of the things that we love doing um, on the show for our listeners is just showing showing folks that we're not alone. And so many of us are going through similar things. And I think your journey really helps highlight that for people and helps people feel seen and, and not alone. So so thank you for, for your work.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. It, you know, when I first was doing this, I wasn't speaking out about it. I wasn't looking for support. And I, I got really depressed. And I felt uh, this call to open up and that vulnerability led me to a lot of friendships and resources and I that's that's the why of our work is to do that for other people so that they know they're not alone and that we're here for them and it's helped me so much. I
2: love that. And so I would love to start by learning a little bit about the journey that led you to to be to start on this infertilidad latina podcast and, and journey.
1: Yeah so my journey to motherhood was you know long and heartbreaking. We We just expected to get pregnant, my wife and I, you know, after our wedding, we decided to not go on a honeymoon because we knew as a lesbian couple that we would need fertility treatments to have a baby. So we said, you know what, let's just take that money and go do fertility treatments. So we did that. And after two failed implantations, I did get pregnant with twins. Unfortunately, you know, the rug got pulled from underneath us when we suffered a miscarriage. And shortly after that, I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility, meaning they couldn't pinpoint exactly the medical reason why I wasn't carrying pregnancies or being or getting pregnant. Um, So our podcast was born out of that grief. It's a space for our communities that are struggling with this diagnosis to have representation and the space to know they're not alone. And we do it in English and Spanish. Um, And the other two co-hosts suffer from infertility as well and in different ways. So it's about having that representation. um, And, you know, we didn't necessarily see ourselves represented in a lot of these spaces. All of the resources are in English. The doctors, nurses, patients and community online don't look or speak like us. So that can be extremely isolating to need support when you feel like you don't belong. So Audrey Blanca and I wanted to bring awareness to our community so that if and when they are diagnosed or if they're struggling to get pregnant, that they can seek medical help and that they know they're not alone in it.
2: Yes. And so sort of related to that, what's something that a lot of people might be surprised to learn when it comes to infertility or what's most surprised you in this journey? Because I'm sure before you started this there isn't a lot that you knew, right?
1: Oh, no, not at all. I mean, I completely expected to get pregnant my first IVF transfer. I mean, I was buying stuff already. Um, so it was surprising because infertil- I'm sorry, infertility is technically defined as an inability to conceive within a 12-month period. So as an LGBTQ couple, we didn't even think that could apply to us, right? And so I did try to get pregnant for a year, and it didn't work. So it was like I technically qualified to be infertile, and I didn't know what that meant. And so they did all of these tests, and everything looked normal. So I was like, so why am I infertile? And they are just like, sometimes it's unexplained. Sometimes we don't know. And then in looking into it, you know, in there's some studies by the National Research Center on Hispanic Children and Families that found that, you know, Hispanic women's fertility fell by 31% from 2006 to 2017. Wow. Um, compared to, yeah, 5% um, decrease for white women and 11% for black women. So that's a huge jump for Hispanic women. And so it started us, you know, wondering why and wanting to know answers. and you know, it was just surprising to us that so many women in our communities are dealing with this and men as well. You know, half of the time when a couple goes in and gets diagnosed as infertile, half the time is male factor infertility. So it felt like everything was a surprise, you know, like all this mm-hmm. was happening and we never had even heard about infertility. So honestly, the whole thing, um, is is just a huge surprise to us. And we wanted to make sure that it didn't come as a surprise to, you know, more people that if they did get diagnosed, that they knew that Latinos are out here representing and talking about it.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting what you, what you said about um, how a lot of times it's actually the men that are in, infertile. And I think that we have this idea that like, If there's infertility, that it's the woman's fault, Uh verdad? I feel like there's this general idea that we just carry with us and just all the blame, as it often goes, as as it often happens in a lot of different issues, the pressure is put on the woman, verdad? At least in in hetero relationships.
1: Yeah, for sure. And a lot of times, you know, hetero couples are trying to conceive you know, and they're not getting pregnant, they're not getting pregnant. They don't often necessarily go to a clinic to know that. So for that year or two that it takes that hetero couple to finally go to a doctor, the woman is assuming that she's not getting pregnant because of her. She doesn't necessarily know if her male partner has, you know, an issue. And a lot of the times it is. Right, right, right. Um,
2: And and also something that that I've read is that, um, you know, Latinx folks, seek treatment much less than, 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 than white families. Can you speak a little bit about why that is?
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I can't necessarily assume, but I, I think some of the limitations may be economic, geographic, cultural, or societal factors that can contribute to our disenfranchised communities, not having the access or the means to seek treatment. You know, insurance rarely covers treatment. And let's be honest, I don't know anyone who has prepared thousands of dollars to try to have a baby. So most people in our communities who are trying and not getting pregnant are perhaps assuming that they're waiting for, you know, either divine intervention, because I know a lot of my family members are like, Oh, it's when God wants, you just have to be patient. Um, And just the mistrust of doctors, you know, culturally, you know, it's not something that we we see a problem and we think, oh, we're going to go to the doctor. You know, I don't think a lot of us have that mindset, especially when it comes to conceiving a baby. So I think most people think it's a private issue, that it's just patience. And, you know, it it deters people from going and it delays when they go. And, you know, being that age is a major factor in conceiving, you know, sometimes women end up, or women and men um, end up not being able to seek that treatment because they just didn't think it was an option. It's not something we're even taught to think about.
2: Right. And so, I mean, I know that this, this journey, like there's been a lot of pain, a lot of grief. And um, I, I'm curious, like what, like what you might, what you might tell our hint there are folks who are maybe, you know, beginning this journey are encountering are struggling. What, what would you tell folks that are in this journey right now?
1: You know, for for those of us that are wanting to, you know, expand our families, because I I don't like to use create families because a family can look like anything. It can be you. It can be you and your partner. It can be you and your perritos or gatitos, whatever. That's a family. You know, don't let anyone define what a family is. So if you're... to that. (laughs) Yeah. So like if you are trying to expand your family and have children... Um, just to be really aware of your physical and mental health, right? So, like, if you're in a hetero couple and you've kind of been trying and timing your ovulation and nothing, maybe it's time to go see a doctor, you know? Or maybe, you know, if you want to have children and you're starting to plan for that that you go to your OBGYN and that you make sure that your blood work looks normal just to do a physical and mental checkup on yourself to know that everything is ready um because i think sometimes we just try and we don't make sure that all of those things are in place and if you're you know then struggling and you don't know why it's harder to do the work after the fact Um, So it's better to go in as prepared as possible.
2: Yeah. And I, and I love that message around family can look so many different types of ways. Number one, right. I love, I just want to reinforce that people don't, other people don't get to define what a family looks like. Number one, and don't let people push that. And I think number two kind of related to that is like, there are so many ways to expand your family. And I think especially, um, hetero couples, you know, grow up in this box of what that needs to look like. Yeah. Um, and so just like expanding the possibility of what expanding your family could look like. Um, and then for LGBTQ couples, I think it's just like, it's, it's a whole other (laughs) can of worms. I feel like thinking about having children. Um, so I wanted to kind of transition to that a little bit because I know for me, you know, once I realized I, I wouldn't be having a, a child with, um, with a man. Um, for me, I, I kind of just stopped thinking about it. Right. I'm like, okay, well I'll, you know, if I, if I feel like I want to have children, I'll come back to that at some point. And I, you know, got to the point where I was getting older and I finally realized somewhat recently that I really did want to try to have children. And so now it's like, oh my God, like no se nada, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and it's felt, and it's felt a little bit overwhelming because there are so many ways to consider in, when it comes to trying to to, to expand um, a family. And so um, I'm curious, like, what you would recommend for um, LGB- our LGBTQ plus community who's thinking about this? What are the first steps they can take as they start to explore, um, you know, having children?
1: Oh, I just, I want to honor your, you know, decision because it's such a wonderful place to be to say, you know, I think I have it in my heart to you know, expand my family and have children. And I know that that feels so wonderful. And so I, for, for me, advocating the planning of it has been um, just this amazing source of strength because I feel like the LGBTQ community is so much more willing to open their hearts to different styles of family building, um, like including adoption and foster care you know, I read somewhere that we're like, you know, six, four to six times more likely to foster children. And, you know, I love that about our community and then as well as conceiving. So I think for us, we just need to know what route we're going to take. Right. And, and the first things first is have the conversation with yourself, with a loved one, with your partner, and saying where your heart is at, and then to look at what your options are, Um, And there's a lot of medical ways that you can seek treatments like fertility treatments. Um, There's IUI, IVF, reciprocal IVF. And it gets very um, scientific in the fertility community. Um, But then there's adoption and foster care. So I think that's why I started the LGBTQ plus family planner because it does get kind of um, detailed. And I wanted you know, our community to have a resource to go to and say, okay, these are all of the options, what is being called to me? Can I afford fertility treatments? Or if I can't necessarily afford it, um, are there grants that I can apply to? What does this process look like? Can I book a consultation with a clinic or an adoption agency, so that I have more information? The first step is just to make the decision and then get information. Um, mm-hmm. And time isn't always on your side because a lot of these processes take a while. So I feel like as, as soon as you know, you you want to just start looking for the information, at least just to have it. And then that way, when you are ready to you know decide, because the decision is costing you thousands and thousands of dollars, right. it's not an easy decision to make. So you want to know who you're going to call. You want to read those reviews. You want to have people give you testimony that they treated our community fairly. Um, So it just takes a lot of planning. And uh, we recently started offering one-on-one consultations for free to our community to just let them kind of say what they want and say, hey, this is where I think you should go. Um, because I know that that support means a lot to, to those of us that, you know, have been through this journey and, and are going to be in this journey. And I think having your community give you guidance is, is extremely valuable. And so, um, that's one of the, the things I would say, I know that's a mouthful, but,
2: um. Oh yeah, that's super helpful. And I think, you know, your journey has has inspired, um, has inspired me for sure to just finally get started, right? It's like taking that first step. And, and I hadn't shared this with you, but actually yesterday I went to a fertility center finally okay, here nice. in, in Mexico. And so I took the first step. They did a, um, a vaginal ultrasound to start to just see how my uh, uterus and ovaries were, which were good. And so now like the next step is to uh, get lab work done to check out my hormones and then we'll go from there. <laughs> so it was yeah, just... Yeah, and I
1: know we had like yeah. prepped you with questions yep. and it's like taking up that space in the doctor's office because I know plenty of times I went and I, you know they were saying things and I just didn't come with questions. Yeah. I didn't think it through. So being prepared for those appointments and and asking your questions and taking up that space because you know, I get very intimidated at doctor's offices and sometimes don't advocate for my questions. And I'm glad that you asked in advance so that you could feel the most prepared, you know, before and after you came out.
2: Yeah, it was, it was super helpful. And I'm so glad that you're working on that research for folks. Cause like I said, I think, you know, in the age of, I guess, information, it's awesome to have all this information, but it can also be overwhelming. And it's really, really helpful when folks have a planner or have something that like really spells it out for you. Like the kind of the steps and and offering consultations, I think is really important. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, um, it was very emotional. I, oh. it, it really kind of confirmed. Yeah. It, Cause you know, when they were doing the ultrasound, it's almost like, I felt like I was sort of imagining having a baby already. And it was just more confirmation that this is something that's important to me and something that's important to me, whether I I had a partner or not is something that I've even realized. Like, this is just, even. I could even do it as a single mother if I needed to, you know, and that's something that's a huge realization for me. And it kind of goes back to, I feel like as LGBTQ folks, like we sort of have to be really thoughtful and intentional about deciding to have children, right? Because it's not like it just happens on on accident, you know? Right. And... And, and I think you mentioned something earlier about you know making sure our community or um, they're being treated fairly and I think and I think too how there's often is discrimination when it comes to um the LGBTq community adopting no
1: yeah I mean there are active lawmakers in different states introducing legislation all the time to keep us from adopting fostering children and Um, There is this great resource um, called the LGBTQ map, I believe, that um, highlights which states have active laws, which states are introducing, you know, new legislation. But yeah, it's, it's something that we have to fight for is that equality to start, you know, this process sometimes, and it sucks, but it's something we do have to be aware of not all people want us to be in their spaces. And, you know, I feel like that is messed up. But before you go trusting and putting your money into, you know, an agency or a fertility mm-hmm. clinic, you should know where they stand, because you should have that. You know, it's a really not that it's a difficult process, but it can be difficult. And you want to be in the best hands possible. Um And that's just something that we've started to kind of highlight on our um, Instagram is just where those places are, where you're safe.
2: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I also just want to talk a little bit about you adopted a baby. So I'm just, I would love to hear like, what is it, what has that been like? I know it was such a long journey to get to this point. Is it what you expected? You know, what's the experience been like these first few months? Um,
1: it, It was not what I expected the process to be like, which, you know, whenever you haven't gone through a process yourself personally, I think everything can feel like a surprise. But Yes, in terms of being a mom and my heart being fulfilled and and just feeling like I'm in, you know, the right space. Yes, I, you know, I'm so full of inspiration and love and, you know, all of those things. But in terms of the process, I, I was really called to do this LGBTQ family planner because of the things that I feel could change about, you know, us going through these, you know, Journeys to parenthood, um, and to speak a little bit on like what was surprising is just how much money and resources you have to have saved up. You know how you know these things can cost you tens of thousands of dollars, and you have no guarantee that you're gonna be a parent at the end of that journey. Um, you know some adoption uh, agencies or facilitators only give you twelve to twenty four months um, of you know, their services. And then if you haven't adopted by then, then you have to re-sign up again. And that's another, you know, eighteen to $20,000. So it's just like having all of that information. And we didn't, you know, we took out a loan. And then when IVF didn't work, we had to take out, you know, we had to sell our house to afford adoption and, and just the whirlwind of meeting our birth mother and what to expect. And, Whoa. you know, having him being born addicted to opioids was a really scary thing because we we had asked for her medical history and we were not given I guess honesty so when he was born he was sent to the NICU immediately um, and we weren't aware of that and you know we asked the agency like hey didn't we ask for this like how could this have been such a you know misunderstanding. And they were like, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, we can't give you those answers. If they lie, they lie. And so just being prepared that anything can happen and that you're a parent and you have to do whatever it takes. And thank God that, you know, with us holding him and doing skin to skin, he was out of the hospital in 12 days. Mm -hmm. So But having the luxury to be in the hospital for 12 days and not having to go back to work and, you know, being able to give him enough love that they released him and he could recover at home. And it's just it's just a lot of unknown territories and having support groups and and support in your community. And and all of those things are necessary for us to have in place when we go through this, because without it, it, you can you can dive into grief and depression and all of those things that, you know, don't help your hope. Um, and mental wellness is something I think we don't often talk about in our communities. But going through these journeys, you definitely need to have those support systems in place. And it's something that I advocate for. And all of my platforms is for people to really trust that, you know, they can come to us, they can come to me, I'll be there because I understand it, I've lived it.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I I didn't realize how difficult that had been. And I really appreciate you being open and vulnerable and sharing what that adoption experience was like. And that seems so tough on you, like you said, not just like your mental wellness, but also, yeah, like, you know, physically and financially and um, raising a, a child is is not easy. Um, I know it's fulfilling, but I know there's so many difficulties with this added, you know, the added struggles that, that you've had. So I just want to, you know, just honor you. And, and you know, I know it's not easy, but I'm I'm happy that you get to have the family that you've wanted, even with all the everything that you went to. And, and it sounds like the podcast and these other platforms and the way that you use your platform is, is is not only healing for folks, but also but also for you verdad?
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, with with fertility treatments, like I said, it's not a guarantee. So you had poured so much of yourself into a treatment plan. And, you know, you walked away with, with nothing, right. And then in in adoption, you know, birth moms can choose to parent. And sometimes you have built this whole relationship with them, you're thinking, okay, this is my opportunity to parent, and then they choose to parent, which is their right. But that can be so heartbreaking. And I I know a lot of couples that go through multiple birth moms and connections only for them to change their minds. And so we were very, very lucky that it only took us five months for her to connect with us. And she was very, very sure that we were the family that she wanted to have raised her son. But, you know, we got lucky. And I love her and I'm, you know, appreciative of her for not putting me through that heartbreak. But, That's the thing about these journeys. No one has the same one. So to be prepared as much as possible for the possibilities so that you, you know what to expect as much as you can.
2: Right, (laughs) right. Like there's things that you just can't plan for, Thambian. Right. Which I'm, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm just like fully prepared for all the things. I'm fully prepared. Yeah, you have to keep that for... hope alive.
1: You have to just keep yeah. that why, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like if you expect it to just happen the first time, like you're going to go through a lot of grief. Yeah. You know, you can't give up. You know, you're going to be a parent. That when right. that child comes, however it comes, that's what was meant to be, and so you have to keep that hope yeah. and that fight within yourself.
2: Right. And I think like I like I've already said your journey has really inspired me to just be open, ready and and be grounded in 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 just what I want. And however that looks, and that is how it 's meant to look, and whatever it takes to be in, but I know that you know it can it it can be difficult, and I appreciate you and and the work that you 've done um, and I think it helps yeah, I'm always yeah here I think for it helps, you. It, helps a, it helps a lot of folks um and and so um re- sort of related to that, you know what resources can you share for our listeners um whether they're you know, a uh, hetero couple or LGBTQ couple that is wanting to expand their family, struggling, et cetera, what are some resources that you can recommend? And we'll also make sure to include these in the in the show notes.
1: Yeah, so um, for infertility, I would definitely say that one resource that really stood out to us in the beginning was resolve.org because they are um, an infertility um community that brings, you know, all types of information, no matter what you look like, how you identify, they have all of the information there. And it's a nonprofit. And they also have different grants, um, and support groups, and all different types of things that you can access for free. Another one would be the Cade Foundation, they also help, you know, cover some costs if you need, you know, to have grants, And offer support through those um, platforms that they have, being online or on their website. Um, And then there's just a plethora of podcasts out there um, that talk about, you know, family building and infertility that I think you should start listening to if you are struggling, because I think having stories that highlight the different faces in this community, um, but also how they did it, how, creative ways to finance your treatment ways to have mm, the yes. tough conversations about your diagnosis, um, in your direct community, because, you know, Latinos sometimes don't understand what the heck infertility is, or they'll say things that, you know, kind of hurt you. And so it's just having that, um, those resources, um, through podcasts or through other influencers, um, and, you know, Infertilidad Latina is that for the Latinx community. I feel like we're the one of the only ones. I know Tootsie Rolades is another podcast about infertility and she's in New York. Um, but, you know, there's a few of us out there that are specifically talking about it in the Latinx community. Um, so definitely check out Infertilidad
2: yeah, and then I think you, you, your family planner, I think, would be a great resource for folks. And I think whether you're LGBTQ plus family or not, ¿verdad? like I think a lot of that information is relevant for all types of couples.
1: Yeah, I mean, fertility treatments are, are pretty, you know, standard in that IVF can be done by either community. Um, but I think the difference is that, you know, the LGBTQ planner is specific to us LGBTQ options. Um, where infertilidad focuses more on um the hetero infertility experience.
2: Perfect. Um, any any last thing you want to share about infertility, um, family building that, that you haven't shared already?
1: I think the only thing is that, you know, mental wellness is one of the things that is a byproduct of family building or infertility that often gets ignored by clinics and agencies and sometimes even your loved ones. And so You know, I know that you want to keep trying and that you have this, you know, fight to be a parent and you can take breaks. You can seek therapy, giving yourself the grace to feel your grief and sadness if you need to. You know, we end up toughing it out a lot of the times and we can feel that in a lot of the stories that we share on our podcast. You know, our friends and families and communities have the best intentions, but there's a lot of work that can be done to just be compassionate listeners without judgment so, you know, seek that help that you need. Reach out to, you know, those support groups if you need it. Don't be ashamed. You know, you're not alone in this. And there are people out there that will be there for you.
2: Yes. Thank you, Jasmine. Uh, so, I want to transition to the part of our show where we like to ask our guests a few rapid fire questions. And so, I'm going to ask you first what do you want to give a matraka to? So, this is something that you want to give a shout out to that you're loving.
1: So I'm definitely loving my feed right now because it's full of Donovan Carrillo.
2: Yes. Um, he's the figure
1: skater. And I mean, I just love his entire story, how he's killing it out there. And it just makes me so proud. So definitely the track goes out to Donovan because he's killing it.
2: Yes, I feel like it's you and the whole world. And we actually also talked about Donovan Carrillo. Brenda and I did earlier in the show. <laughs> yes, yeah, so shout out to Donovan Carrillo. You are bringing joy an inspiration to so many folks. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about what gets your basura?
1: You know what? As being a mom, just the expectations that I have for myself to like do everything and anything and put it all on myself. Um, I think you know, I just have to chill. Like I need to throw that stuff in the basura. I can't be, you know, putting all these expectations of myself. It's not great. I wanna be a great mom and I'm a great mom no matter what I look like and I just have to be patient through the process. So,
2: yes, I love that. Yes. And I and just remembering that we that women often have these unrealistic expectations placed on themselves about how they mother. I saw um, a meme the other day. It's a it's a picture and on the left side is like the, the, the dad in this case. And it, and he has like fast food, right. That he brought for his kids and like above it, it says like fun dad. Right. And then on the right is like a mom with her fast food. And it says, I forget if it says como lazy mom or bad mom, but just yeah. like the unfair judgment that there is like a, yeah. like basically a mediocre dad is like celebrated in a way that like an, an amazing mom isn't, you know?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I have a tough time asking for help because I feel like people are judging me. Like I had to, my mom had to tell me recently, she was like, Jasmine, pero déjame que lo aguante because... I was like, no, you know, you've been holding him for too long, and I think you're gonna judge me. And I'm, I'm doing work, but I don't want you to think I'm being, you know, negligent of him. And she's like, I've been holding him for thirty minutes. Relax, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And it's just me being scared that someone's gonna judge me because I chose to work for thirty minutes.
2: Right. Uh, I feel that. So for all for all you moms out there, you probably have unrealistic expectations. And we get to let go of those and we get to check ourselves. Mm -hmm. We get to check ourselves because we don't, we we don't even realize sometimes the way that we're judging moms. And I know for me, you know, I've seen my brother become a, a, a new dad the last two years, he just had a new baby, a second baby, a few months ago, and I just—he's—he's he's such a great dad, and I've loved seeing him become a, a parent because it is awesome when you when you do see great dads that are really involved and active. And I, as I see him, and I, you know, celebrate him. I'm like, would I be celebrating the same way if that was my sister and was that and was a right. mom? Like what she was doing, would I celebrate her in the same way that I'm celebrating and honoring my brother? And I don't know that I would, right? So how can we acknowledge? what we've been ingrained with and how can we be actively undoing that. So thank you for calling that out.
1: Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah.
2: Um, and then lastly, what's something that's giving you calma? What's keeping you grounded right now?
1: You know, um, I'm here with my mom and she adopted me when I was a kid. And now that um, I'm adopting Mark Anthony on the 28th of February, um, I feel like it's a full circle moment. And I just feel this peace within myself that, you know, Every hardship, everything I've ever dealt with in life is now coming to that full circle moment. And I just, I'm feeling so calm for the first time in my life. Everything makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm where I'm meant to be.
2: Oh, that is so beautiful. And I think what, what you call, what you, what I heard too, is like, you feel the calmest and that doesn't mean that everything around you is calm, right? It's like, you can have chaos and still have peace in your heart. And it sounds like that's where you're at. Right. That's beautiful. And also, is your son's name Mark Anthony? It is. Oh my God! Wait, did you name him after the salsa singer or no, <laughs> <laughs> or just coincidence?
1: <laughs> well, kind of. But my um, Aaron's dad's name is Mark, and then my brother's um, name is Mark, and then I wanted him because you know we we didn't necessarily know his uh, race at first, so it just. Uh, so happens that I wanted him to have like a route to Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And I felt like because I couldn't give him my genetics, I was like, well, I'm gonna give you the name. So um, it just kind of worked out that her dad's name was Mark. And we were like, yeah, Mark Anthony, there you go. Whipa.
2: <laughs> I love it. me encanta. Uh, okay, so before we end, if you want to just share with folks, where can they find you? What do you have coming up? Just, you know, how can how can people connect with you?
1: Yeah, for sure. So you can reach us at Infertilidad Latina. Um, we have a website, we have a podcast, we have an Instagram by the same name. And then, if you're LGBTQ and you're wanting to start planning or have any questions, you can reach out to me on Instagram at the LGBTQ Plus Family Planner. Um, and I am happy to answer any questions anyone has.
2: Wonderful. Well, Jasmine, and we'll make sure we include that all in the show notes. I want to thank you so much for your time, for your work, for your openness, for your vulnerability. Todo. Muchas gracias. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay, bye. Well, I enjoyed having that conversation with Jasmine so much and we hope that you also found it helpful. And I did want to go back actually to my experience at the um fertility center really quickly. Cause one thing that was a little off-putting when I was looking at that catalog is that they actually have like this um, monthly discounts. Again, this very, it feels very weird, right? Monthly discounts on the sperm donors and the folks that they give a discount on are folks that are more Brown and have Brown eyes. So it was just kind of like, you know, like white col- colorism hitting you right in the face as part of this process. So that was definitely something that was like, Ugh. I don't know.
0: <laughs> white supremacy is everywhere. White supremacy is right.
2: everywhere. Yeah, we just finished So I reading. do want to give a basura to that. <laughs>
0: oh, OK, great. Yes, Basura, to that, we just finished reading, well, we're reading Priscadorca Morjica Rodriguez's book in my Chicano Studies class that I'm teaching, and we just finished reading her chapter on colorism, and all of this is top of mind to my students right now, is just thinking about that, um, how that colorism and racism is very much part of the Latino experience, because it's global, because it's it's global, yep.
2: Yes, and I see, I mean, I see it every day here, right, pero... um... Yeah, so let's get back into, let's get into our matracas and basuras and calmas. That wasn't my official basura, but I wanted to give that a basura as yeah, well. Yeah, we, we have so plenty we, of basuras to give. <laughs> basuras yes, are always. endless. <laughs> este, yeah, so Brenda, what do you, let's start with the matraca though. What are you giving a matraca to today?
0: Yeah, so my matraca goes back to the spirit of like getting out there. And I just want to give a shout out to this space in Boyle Heights on Cesar Chavez Avenue. It's called the Paramount. It's It's awesome. It's attached to this pizzeria, which is super great, Brooklyn Pizza, which is good. But the Paramount is a great concert venue. And Jose Galvan, uh, who is our friend of the pod, he's putting together some of the great programming there. And I wanna give an extra shout out, Matraca, to Irene Diaz, who we love, who's been a guest on, on Tamarindo. Uh, love her music. It gives me calma as well. So it's like all of the things. So matracas and calmas and all of it. And I uh, want to let folks know that on February 8th, you all can go to Irene Diaz's uh, release, record release, album release party. And it's happening at the Paramount. And I'll put the information in the links to this episode so y'all can check it out. That is my
2: matraca. Awesome. That's, uh, so I had two matracas ready because I thought my first matraca might be your matraca. So uh, my first matraca is to Donovan Carrillo, and I know that you are 100% on board with this, as you mentioned earlier.
0: Yes, we have Donovan Carrillo fever.
2: Yes. So if y'all are not, if y'all are living under a rock, Donovan Carrillo is a figure skater who just competed, made it to the final of the Winter Olympics. And he is the first um, Mexican figure skater to compete, I think, in the last 30 years. That's so something, cool. Something crazy I mean, like that.
0: I love it. And I just love his presence. I love the joy that he gets from his sport. I think by the time y'all are listening to this, he's probably no longer there. Pero de todas formas, le echo ganas, and I love it. <laughs> I love
2: it. Yeah, honestly, his energy is contagious. Like you see him smile, and it, like you said, it just it just brings you so much joy. It's like makes you all fuzzy and warm and fuzzy inside. Like I, if you if y'all not if y'all have not looked up Donovan Carrillo. Look him up because he is just a joy. And then what I do want to give a basura to is like the fact that um, the, the Mexican government could support athletes more. I was reading that uh, he was training part of his young life um, at a mall ice skating rink. Mm. So just super impressive what he's been able to do um, with not all that much support. So again, Matraca to Donovan Carrillo. Look him up, y'all. He he will make you smile and, and feel good inside. <laughs> So I'm going to do another matraka. I'm reading a book called Lift the, Fun- the Fundamental State of Leadership. And it's kind of a nerdy book. And sometimes it's hard for me to read some of these books, um, but I've been listening to it and I've really been enjoying it. And it's really about how to be a leader in different situations. And it's built around the premise of anytime you're looking going into a, a difficult situation or just a situation that requires leadership, um, being grounded in a few things and What it says is to be centered on your purpose and your values, to be attuned to the feelings and needs of others, and to be open to external cues that allow for learning and growth and evolution. And I've just really been um, embodying that as I I go into different situations recently. So it's really cool uh, just to have a framework in which I'm thinking about leadership and and conflict resolution so i'm really enjoying that book so the book is called lift the fundamental state of leadership definitely very nerdy but if y'all are into leadership development and those kinds of books i recommend it
0: excellent we can add that in the notes
2: yes all right brenda so what about your basura what are you putting in the basura this week
0: well my basura right now i mean we're in an election year as you all know i'm very um concerned with the narratives that are everywhere around, you know, rising crime. And there's this energy that is very um, hurtful to any of the justice reform efforts that are that were we were getting a lot of momentum in those justice reform efforts. And now we're getting roadblocks. So specifically, I want to talk about Assembly Bill 1127 by Assemblymember Miguel Santiago, Democrat, Los Angeles, used to be my Assembly member. Now I have wonderful Wendy Carrillo because I moved. Anywho, um, so this bill, it would have made it so that young, when young people got in trouble and would, they would have had something called a juvenile adjudication, adjudication, that's hard to say, currently that when a person got in trouble as a youth and then later, those that, that mistake that they did as a child would be considered a strike. And if folks are familiar with California's three strike law, which in itself is a piece of crap, and that should, by itself should be basura and should be done with, I cannot believe we still have this. This at least was an effort, Assembly Bill 1127 was an effort to say, hey, look, let's at least recognize that when these folks got in trouble as youth, we should not be counting that as strikes against them. But this failed, this failed, and, and it's just sort of, a, according to this LA Times article that we will, of course, link in the show notes, it kind of tells you a little bit about what's going on, right? That there's this, even in progressive California, there is resistance to to justice reform. And I think this is fueled by narratives that are saying, well, rise on crime. And there's no there's no consequences. So I'm very scared about what this means. If it's happening here in California, you know what this means for progress across the country. So basura to the basura specifically goes to Assembly Bill 1127, not passing.
2: That is terrible news, Brenda. And and it's really hard to see us moving back, going backwards on a lot of issues right now. And I think I feel like I need some to do some meditation or something for that, because it's like, I don't know, you get to a point where you're like, oh, you kind of want to lose hope, you know, because you feel like we've been making so much progress and you get these moments where you just feel like we're moving backwards. So just I don't know what 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 can we do about well, that uh, other than just continuing I, to do? Yeah, go ahead.
0: I got an example for this. It, well, I think one way that we can feel less less uh, discouraged and feel hopeful is especially here in Los Angeles, especially here if you if you are my neighbor and you are in uh, um city council district one, there's Eunice Hernandez who's a friend of the pod, who's a former guest. And she is running to be on the city council, and there are there are in- incredible organizations and in- incredible leaders that are behind. The sort of policies that we do want to advance that bring a measure of justice, right? So there are people that are stepping up, and we got to support them. So we just want to give. I, she gives me calma, so it gives me calma. This is my calma. My calma is Unisa Hernández running for city council, and other candidates like her. I think that for every uh, basura that there is in plenty, there is plenty of basura. There's also some fantastic people that are stepping up, young people that are stepping up. She just celebrated her birthday, and it's so exciting that she's one of the the women that is running for office. So look out for those gems, and we, of course, always love to celebrate those as well.
2: Yes, thank you, Brenda. So that's something we can do, y'all. If you feel like you're losing hope, look for the people that are doing that work. So so be, be in those environments where you can celebrate, support and be a part of those movements. And also just a reminder to take care of yourself too. Sometimes we do need a break from all the basura that is happening. So unplug, take some time for yourself and be angry, but transform that anger into work, but also rest when you need to, because that is so important. So let's keep doing the work y'all. And so for my basura, um, I'm gonna put hypocrisy in the basura and there's plenty of it going around always as well. And my example for this, but there are so many examples, is um, the freedom convoy that is happening in in Canada. A group of folks that are protesting um, pandemic restrictions uh, are blocking the borders. They're blocking the borders and they're causing a lot of economic harm, not only to Canada, but also to the U.S. as well. And so it's just interesting because, you know, the reason for protesting is to push back on pandemic restrictions, but they're doing, they're actually hurting, you know, like they're doing exactly what they are supposedly protesting for, right? They're, they're hurting the economy, they're hurting, you know, citizens and community members. And so it's just like, what are you even doing this for, right? You're doing exactly what you're supposedly protesting. So uh, just hypocrisy goes in la basura for me. <laughs>
0: Always, always. <laughs> uh, let's wrap up this episode by reminding folks that we've got an upcoming event on March first. We hope to zoom you later, <laughs> zoom you later. So please sign up for that. We'll have the links to that in our in our bio. And thank you so much to everybody that's already signed up. We super appreciate your your contributions. It's really been like wow, so exciting, so exciting. So can't wait to see the rest of y'all. Yes.
2: All right. We appreciate y'all. Cuidense. Abrazos. Besos. Ciao. Ponte un sueter. Bye. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards.
0: If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com.